Cryptoholics. Synthaholics, thank you so much for downloading this episode. Today you have myself, Aaron O'Brien, and David Duncan. Hey, Dave. Hey, how goes? <laughs> Backwards. My cocaine goes backwards. Guys, we are talking this episode about the film Tenet. This is the Christopher Nolan movie that was slated to come out in 2020 and had all sorts of issues because of covid but this was his big release for uh his his current movies um i am a big fan of christopher nolan i think he's done a lot of stuff not just as batman movies but i interstellar is still probably one of my favorite sci-fi movies ever it's great film. And, i uh, wish michael kane was in this one more like he wasn't interstellar i know he's getting old man i don't know and uh so Tenet, excitedly, we wanted to talk about this film. And uh, when it was uh, you know, supposed to come out, we were waiting for it. And then, obviously, COVID happened. So it kind of got paused for a while. And, uh, yeah, we've been lot, talking about seeing this for a lot of while. fights over, too. A lot of fights over uh, that this how it was going to be released. And oh, and I, I know we mentioned before on the podcast about seeing it because, I mean, we were, I, was, I found out that it wasn't going to be shown in New York because of the COVID restrictions and he really wanted it to be in movie theaters. And so because yeah. movie theaters are shut down in New York, you couldn't see it in, in the movie theaters here. So we had to wait and wait and wait and finally get to see it. Yeah. And, uh, it, it seemed like it caused a lot of consternation with, uh, Christopher Nolan, how it was being released and how it was being held up because of, uh, because of COVID and, uh, they were going to release it all sorts of different ways. And because um, he wanted it to be in the theater, that's I mean, filmmakers want their stuff on in the theaters. Why he doesn't know how to audio mix a movie to save his life? I I, I love his movies for the most part, but every single movie since like Batman, no. he cannot. I know, audio, but he I, cannot I, audio I, mix his films. I know, I, I totally I totally agree, but I think that's everybody. Their the audio is either super quiet or blaring. Nolan, it's and like I, he takes it to the next level, though. I mean, like, movies do have that problem where you do have to turn it down um, during the yeah. action sequences at home and turn up the... But the thing is, like, like there's the, the scene at the toward the end of the movie where where the protagonist is talking to the, the guy when they're making the plan to go in. I couldn't understand anything the other guy was saying. I, I, rewind, mm-hmm. I rewinded that scene, and I could only get, like, one or two words just it's just he was just like mumbling i was just like i can't understand what you're saying i'm trying i'm really trying to understand what you're saying and i can't can't hear it really trying guys and, the, and the, it wasn't even like any music that was blaring over it either it was just bad audio mixing or something but i mean ever since like the dark knight rises or the, the one with bane where you couldn't understand yeah. a thing you said ever since bane Audio has been the bane of his movies. Inception was bad with audio, and Interstellar. Hey, even Inter- Interstellar just like blasts, or it's like whispers. And I and I love it. I could I could 
I could watch it right now. I could watch Interstellar right now, and it's still it's the audio is. But I find that's the deal with a lot of movies. But anyways, uh, yeah. So Dave, this came out in the U.S. in September third, twenty twenty, and uh, its budget was two hundred million dollars, and it pulled in three hundred and sixty three point one million dollars. So wow. made a little bit made a little bit over, but probably not what usually Christopher Nolan's used to. I'm surprised so, it made that much. I mean, I remember it setting it bombed at the box office because no one could go see it. So, yeah, I'm glad yeah. it, you know, at least made more than it cost. Yeah, right. They made it up. I mean, but usually they like to at least double their money. But um, let's do a non-spoiler. Uh, we are just going to talk for probably the first ten minutes. We won't get into anything about uh, what the movie's about, other than um, I'm sure you know it has something to do with time travel. But, yeah, let's talk about the movie. Um, Dave, just general impressions of this movie. I was really impressed with this film. I, I enjoyed it from beginning to end. I never felt bored. I, I just, like I said, I had to rewind it a couple times just to try to hear what people were saying. Um, it's I put in, I, you know, honestly, I put in uh, on closed captions now. <laughs> it just, it's, it's just so much easier. You just I, have to you do know, that. I got in, I, I got into the habit when I was watching movies and my kids were asleep and I didn't want to blare because that's how it was. It would be like blaring or whisper. So you turn it up so you could hear them and then all of a sudden something would explode. So I just turned on closed, closed captions, captions and I'm just used to it. I just clo- I'm just used to it now. You know, it's just it's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. With kids, I guess that's that makes sense. That's not a problem I have currently. But yes. uh, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I probably probably should for any Christopher Nolan film going forward because that's just. I mean, the, the movies are good. I just really wish he, you know, didn't you know bungle the uh, audio engineering on every single film he he put out. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess look at who who did. I'll look up while you're talking. I'll look up who did this audio for this thing. <laughs> Christopher Nolan, <laughs> you bastard. Well, I, I don't think I don't think it matters who did it. I, I think Christopher Nolan tells them to turn the volume down on everyone speaking. He's like he's like mm. we're making silent films here. Yeah right. Yeah. Uh, we're talkies. No, no talkie, no talkie. We're not even going to name the character. Or the characters, the main characters, is named the protagonist. I really wish the bad guy would have been called the antagonist, if uh, they weren't going to give the main character a name. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I, I was weird. Like I, I've watched a bunch of reviews for this movie, like before I even saw it, and a lot of people were saying it wasn't really about time travel, and time travel stuff didn't really happen often throughout the movie. And I'm like, time travel is happening the entire movie, like. Even when you don't know what's happening, it's happening. So I, I thought it was kind of... Uh, I thought some people who were reviewing it were kind of misleading a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie... I mean, But it's not like time travel in the way that most movies do time travel. So maybe that's why they said that. But it's, it's fascinating. It's an interesting concept. Um, maybe their science is a little... A little weird because they said it's 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 a little bit just like it's uh, a magical uh, not magical but sort of like you know it's just not explained oh they, they say it reverses entropy but entropy isn't the flow of time entropy is randomness i don't know well, entropy means it's, things dis- dissolving into nothing or just kind of like losing its energy oh so. it, it's it's uh entropy is uh whenever the things get more and more random so i mean if you reverse it they get less and less random i don't know Let's see. The definition of entropy is the measure of a system's thermal energy per unit 
temperature that is unavailable for doing useful work because the work is obtained from ordered molecule motion. The amount of entropy is also measured by the molecule disorder and randomness of a system. So the longer the system, the more random it gets. Webster's it's thermodynamics measure of un measure of unavailable energy in a closed thermal thermodynamic system that is also usually considered to be a measure of the system's disorder that a property of the system's state and that varies directly with the reversible ch- uh, change in heat in the system in in adversely with the temperature of the system and then broadly entropy means the degree of disorder of an uncertain system so so yeah that doesn't seem like it would be i just wish they would just use chronotons yeah we, we found the thing that'll reverse the flow of time using chronotons that would be fine is chronotons yeah, just to start it, is chronotons a star trek only term no is that i don't no believe one? so i don't believe so cron uh, i'm trying to spell it right chronotons <laughs> <laughs> well I, I just i just wonder because i mean like if it's a star trek only thing Maybe that's why no one else uses it, but I feel like I've only heard the term chronotons in Star Trek. So I just yeah. wonder if it's a Star Trek specific term, which is why they can't use it. Or like, I don't know. Because, I mean, chronotons, it sounds like a time particle. So, you know. Cause... Yeah, I looked up chronotons and I got crones. Uh, chroniton is. Oh, my bowels. <sighs> my bowels. Uh, chroniton is a propo- uh, proposed quantum of time that is discrete indivisible unit of time part of a hypothesis that proposes time is not continuous chroniton is a proposed quantum of time oh a, so, so it is an actual thing it's proposed it's a indivisible unit of time hmm. so it's like hmm. so proposes that time's not uh yeah chroniton you can look it up chroniton under wikipedia that's cool i didn't i thought i i, I thought it was gonna be a yeah but why didn't they use thing? chroniton yeah, I mean, that w- that would have made sense if they would have used chroniton instead of entropy, because entropy is randomness. Yeah. But how about you? What did you, you think of the movie? I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. It was well done, well thought out. So anytime we deal with time travel in a movie, <laughs> you, you, it leaves you out your head scratching, and like you wonder, is that exactly how it should be? I thought some Now, visually... You know, he he gets everything just beautiful. I mean, there's there's nothing to complain about this movie visually. It's it's stunning. Uh, the acting's great. The script and the uh, the plot line is is compelling. So there's nothing that you can dislike. I, and if you dislike something, I'm not sure what you're looking for in a movie, honestly. But uh, my issue is the depiction of some of the things, uh, especially the time travel things. I'm just kind of like. Hmm, that's odd. Why would do this? And I, and I and I tried and I've and I watched it twice just so I got everything. I so I kind of had it all sorted out. But sometimes I thought his execution on some of the time stuff got a little weird for me. Now it, that could just be me, and I could be totally wrong. Uh, well, I just thought I, I thought so. it like worked perfect. I because I, I mean like. I mean, there's a part when we get into spoilers that I, I like. I called it as it was happening. That like, I there's a couple that came. I was like, come on, I mustn't. Anyways, but I I don't want to get into that. I just meant that. Um, I just meant more visual stuff, visualizations. Like, I, I'm sure if you know, there was a car chase scene. It's a Christopher Nolan movie. You're gonna see a start a car chase scene, right? 
almost all his movies has something like that. Um, ch- or, you know, uh, uh, if it was uh, Michael Bay, also car chasing. Yeah. In, uh, there was a, there's some of the stuff that I thought was a little bit odd choices. But anyways, I find it's it, not, it doesn't really break well. The, Although, it, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't break the movie for me. It never did. I just I think when I'm watching it, I think really hard about why things are happening. You know, like I try to deconstruct it, like see it at, on the different point of view. For oh. the time traveler compared to the the regular people, so oh yeah, I, I was the, I was watching I it under that weird. under that light too because I knew the movie was going to be trippy because I, everyone said it was going to be trippy or everyone said it was and trippy. It's Christopher Nolan, so, so you've seen Inception, you know. Yeah, so I, I was like <laughs> looking for hints about anything as you know uh, from the beginning of the movie because there I knew they were going to be there, so I was definitely like trying to find them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, but honestly, great movie, lot of fun. The uh, the actor who doesn't really have a character name, he's called the protagonist. Uh, and he calls the himself the protagonist name. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, John David Washington, uh, which we just found out is the son of Denzel Washington. Uh, we did not know that until you read his his back bio. But uh, yeah, I mean, he did great. Um, uh, what's his name from uh, uh, Twilight? Uh, Robert Pat- uh, Patterson, the Batman. Yeah, he he did great too. Uh, we have Michael Caine. So, unfortunately, Michael Caine's only in the movie for a scene. Yeah, a scene, but still, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. We can't go wrong with more Michael Caine. Always got to throw him in. I, I love that. <laughs> that uh, Nolan has like obviously a, a a friendship with him that he uses him in basically all of his movies all the time. Like he's in almost everything, which is which is kind of strange because he didn't use as many of his normal actors in this movie as he normally does. I mean, Michael, yeah, there, yeah, definitely for sure. I feel like it was yeah, just Michael Caine yeah. and I guess Kenneth Branagh, but he he only had Kenneth Branagh in Dunkirk, as far as I'm aware. Yeah. So it wasn't even like one of the long term ones. So no, I didn't see Dunkirk. It was Michael Caine in Dunkirk. Uh, I don't know. I fell asleep during Dunkirk. I knew Kenneth Branagh was in it because he was in the commercials. Um, no, I don't see him. I don't see him in there. Huh. Guess he kept him out of the war movie. I guess so. But yeah, Kenneth Branagh. I think that was his first uh, Kenneth Branagh movie, Dunkirk, and then uh, he was uh, the bad guy in this one. And Kenneth Branagh always does a really great job acting, and he just was such a creep in this film and uh, made me really uncomfortable. Yeah, he is. He is a wicked bad guy. I mean, I never. I mean, he is intense. I mean, have you yeah. seen any of his Shakespeare movies? He's a phenomenal actor. Uh yeah, when he does what King Henry the fifth and Hamlet is that the one? Yeah, he was a, he he did his own version of Hamlet, which was futurized, but not like modern future, but like future to Shakespeare's time. That was really good. It's it's unabridged. Maybe I did. It's, but... it's like a four hour long movie. It's got Charlton Heston oh, and all sorts of people. Yeah, it's a really long movie. It's really good. Uh, mm. I highly recommend Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet if you're into Shakespeare and Hamlet. Um and. Uh, he was his, also, his Henry the Fifth scene is great. He was also in Othello with Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, I saw that. That was a great movie. That I don't remember a, him in Othello. What did he play in that? Iago. Oh, did he? He was the bad guy. The best. <laughs> Again, he was a great bad guy. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. I uh... and unfortunately, he was the villain in Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Wild well, Wild West. <laughs> we can't all have the greatest. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but definitely look up his uh, Henry V uh, uh, St. Crispin's Day uh, speech for Henry V. Uh, he's quite young in that movie. And, uh, yeah, 1989. So, yeah. So it's, uh, it's good, uh, good speech. If you, you, can, uh, you can YouTube it. He's, he's really good. But, yeah, he's, he's terrifying and he's intense. So it's great. Um, yeah, I can't, man, so many, so many good performances in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get into full spoilers and we start talking about it. So if you haven't seen Tenet, you know, maybe you want to pause this podcast and come back later. It's like uh, five ninety nine on, on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Amazon Prime is you know five six bucks. I can't beat it, and it's uh, it's worth the watch. It really definitely, is. definitely worth the watch. So how do you want to go forward, Dave? Uh, go into spoilers. Um, let's just give a basic overview of what happens here. So. The protagonist is a CIA agent, and we get introduced to him as they are running some kind of uh, counter-terrorist uh, or anti-terrorist um, move, but they're embedded to extract somebody in Kiev in an opera house. It's always in Kiev and always in an opera house. <laughs> always. And he's uh, he, he gets this guy out, and he defuses these bombs that... Um, that he doesn't want all these people to die. But, uh, unfortunately he's captured right after that. And he gets all his teeth pulled out, which is disturbing. And, uh, he's going to take a cyanide tablet. And when he wakes up from taking a cyanide tablet, he's in the afterlife. uh, He is, um, his mouth is reconstructed. He's been in a medical induced coma, but they have now said that was a test and to prove your loyalty, this obviously shows that you did not uh, crack under pressure. You you did what you had to do. You and commit we suicide wanna... at a moment's notice. You're hired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you you are going to be hired or, or recruited for this uh, organization called Tenant. And and he's like, I don't know what that is, of course. So Tenant is something that's going is protecting the world or supposed to protect the world for something worse than World War Three. Uh, so, and when he, he doesn't know, but what we find out, these are inverted, well, we get introduced to, uh, introduced to these inverted rounds. He saw one at, during the Kiev thing, uh, uh, assaults. He saw an inverted, uh, uh, munition shot at, and, uh, the bullet went backwards. Yeah. So these are inverted entropy. So as we were saying before, they, so they reverse time flow. So you shoot a bullet, it's more of, as it's explained, your gun is catching the bullet. It seems so, dangerous. So you walk in with the empty clip, and then you fill it up. Fill it up. So That's um, kind of hard to trust. So yeah, so he gets, he gets kind of a, a primer uh, on all these things uh, about the munitions... Because uh, this woman, a scientist, she has this wall, and she's explaining to him how it works, that and how the bullets work, and how it's. Um, it seems like to him, like it's it, it, nothing's happened until, it, you know, the the bullet comes back to the gun and stuff like that. So, it's just weird. Just uh, it's hard 
hard to explain. But, it's hard to wrap uh, your head around. Like inverting everything makes more sense than inverting the individual items. It's like in and then they show it in the movie too. But it's like take a video of you doing and any you know daily um, activity and then reverse it and watch it in reverse and think that's how how things worked. Well, you know? I mean, that's it's just interesting because I mean, watching anything in reverse, just like watching any video of anything going in reverse on YouTube, it's just it's fascinating because it doesn't make any sense to your brain, right? And they do right. that a lot in this film, and they do a really good job of like doing front ways reverse and back, and then like even going straight, then going back again. It was pretty cool, pretty cool. And she gives them, she shows them all this room of all these uh, pieces of machinery and all sorts of things that are like uh, left over. And, she, and he goes, "What? What is all this?" And uh, these are all inverted materials. And she says, "These are um, just the debris of a coming war. So uh, something's going to happen, and it could be pretty bad." So they decide they're going to uh, find this uh, arms dealer. Na- uh, named uh, Sun Sunjay Singh, and uh, they're going to go to Mumbai to do that. Uh, but they f- uh, this is where he runs into um, Robert Patter- uh, Patterson, and this is the character Neil. And Neil starts working with the protagonist, and they find out that Priya Singh. Is the actual arms dealer that Tom's Sanjay wife is, just, is the arms dealer? Yeah. That's great. And she says, basically, she they bring up the word tenant. So if they bring up the word tenant, or um, and and, and make this hands, gesture with this hand signal, yeah, the hand the the hands like the fingers folded together. These are ways to know that they're part of this inner circle that knows about this reverse entropy, and. Uh, he says that there's a guy named Andre Sator and that he is um, dealing with these kind of um, inversed uh, munitions. And the best way to, you know, to, so he's got to go there. And he's um, now in uh, in England and he's kind of like, uh, he's a Russian oligarch, but he's been, he's moved there and he's made a, he's, he's fabulously wealthy. So Best way to get in good with him is sleep with his wife. Yeah, so uh, what they have to do is he, he's going to go meet a contact who is uh, Michael Kane. Michael Kane, I'll give you money to buy a nice suit because your suit is shit, my friend. You have shit. Shit taste. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, that's the other thing that's funny about this movie is that uh, the protagonist character is always like, he just can't grab his brain around the wealth that's being thrown around. Yeah. It's kind of funny in its own way. He's like, "What? So would you go to Mars with that nine <laughs> nine million dollars? Would you go to Mars?" <laughs> so I was like, it, "It's just there's a lot of funny little things that you realize that he's just not used to this kind of like uh, the, the wealth that's around him." Um, Michael Caine decides he's going to sponsor him, gives him a black card, and he's kind of going to be his financial backer. And uh, but then he also says that um, the uh, Russian oligarch who has the uh, um, who deals in the the, uh, inversed munitions, his wife, Kat, is uh, was uh, caught, not caught, but kind of found out uh, by uh, selling a forged Goya painting by this uh, famous forger named uh, Arepo. 
and uh, it kind of had this whole blackmail relationship thing that happened between her uh, between cat uh, and uh, Sator so there's this really strained relationship between the arms dealer and his wife that's never good. And, yeah, and so they have to they have to work this through that he has to he's going to give her this other forge Goya uh, drawing, and she's good. She works for um, what's it called uh, Sh- uh, Shipley's, uh, and and that they uh, she she has you know ass- uh, she assesses arts you know and she's make sure that they're the real thing. So, anyways. He brings her the Goya, and this is kind of like his f- way to get to know her. And then he finds out that um, they they have dinner together because they're basically work out that uh, he wants to introduce himself to her husband. But she's like, you do not want to meet my husband. My husband doesn't want to meet you kind of thing. And then it's kind of kind of enforced when her husband, uh, Andre Sater's goons, show up to uh, just kind of prove the point, just get the fuck out of here. And uh, the protagonist actually prevails during this in uh, a big kitchen fight. And the worst part of it for me was a cheese grater to the, to the face. Oh man. It was just all brutal. All found weapons. Like every time someone uses some found weapons in in movies, I'm like, Oh, you should be taking a minus 10 because it's a found weapon. You're not proficient in it. And I guess he was proficient with cheese grater. Cause damn. Yeah, that was pretty rough. <laughs> and plates. Um, <laughs> yeah, the place I, I mean it hurts but man cheese grater to the to the ear and to the side of the face oh, oh man ow i cringed on that one yeah yeah Still cringed on that one so he he comes out and then they realize that she i think she sees him walk out uh basically unharmed and she realizes there's more to this guy. He passes her a number at one point in the restaurant before they get split up, and so she can call him. So she calls him later on, and they start talking. And uh, this is where she uh, starts explaining about the Freeport. These are it's a, a airport where you can a lot of people store art and stuff like that, and not have to pay taxes on them or duty on them because. They are not considered on either the country, uh, either country. It's like an in-between place. And what we find out is this is where he's looking for. This is, there's there's something in the middle of this art uh, gallery that's being protected. And they uh, bring his partner Neil back in to help him infiltrate this place. And uh, they do a whole like recon. See how the place is, how all the all the lock system, and how they have like a fire suppression unit, and they have to figure out how to get in. And their plan is to crash a plane full of gold. And this was a real plane they crashed. They did not CGI this at all. They figured it would be cheaper to crash an actual plane into an actual building. Hey, it had to be a lot of fun, right? I am sure it had to be a lot of fun. I'm just not sure how it was cheaper because I feel like CG is like you know it's getting on TV budgets now. It's just kind of crazy because I mean. Even in the movie, like, no, we're not going to crash it from the air. We're just going to run it into a building. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool. I, oh, I, no, I was I, happy I, to see that. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, it's pretty impressive that that was the the least the lesser of the expensive options. Was yeah, to crash right, it. exactly. Was to, and it, it wasn't like a small plane. It was a giant, like a four engine plane. Yeah, yeah. It I was. Mean, it was pretty cool. It was impressive. 
Um, yeah, so they crash the plane, they dump all this gold, make this big distraction, and then the facility that uh, Neil and the protagonists are inside at the moment trying to, uh, with this uh, piece of art that they were going to, uh, just to look at, and they end up uh, breaking into this into the center of this um, facility, which has a turnstile. And this is the turnstile. They were not aware of this at the time, but the turnstile is what actually you use to go uh, revert, uh, invert your your time period, so you can go backwards in time. Yeah, these are scattered um, around the world, apparently uh, for Sater, so he can go back and forth between time. Right, uh, and there's as, different as places you can use these turnstiles. Yeah, yeah, there's different places. So, uh, yeah, and this is <laughs> this, this is in the Oslo airport. This is this, this turnstile. So, uh, this is where they run into a uh, during the the whole confusion. Somebody goes into uh, or yeah, they come into the the turnstile and uh, they open the turnstile and uh, they have two people come out. One person going one direction, the other person. Uh, going backwards and uh, the protagonist fights this person in black we don't know who he is but we find out that this is he's fighting himself yeah i i i I thought that was the case like as soon as um uh vampire boy took 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 the guy's mask off and then you you don't it's it's shown off screen he takes his helmet mask off and you he kind of he's off screen but you see him he has like a shock look and then he kind of like backs away so, uh, and I knew then too, it was like, either it'd be him or it had to be the protagonist. So it was Neil, the protagonist well, that he saw. At first I thought it was both of them. I thought, it, I thought it was both. Um, I did too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. thought, it, I thought it was Neil, uh, futurism, Neil and futurism protagonist, but it, at, at, because the time travel is a little bit like hard to wrap your head around, it's only, uh, the protagonist, which is, it made sense when it went back to it, but. Mm-hmm. I knew right. I knew it had to be one of the two. Like the the whole problem with this movie is like you know they were successful because of everything in the movie, right? Exactly because so, because it, it's a it's a predetermined uh, it's a pre it's a predestination uh, time travel because it's it has it has to have happened the right way for anything what you're seeing to happen. I agree, and and uh, as what you're saying there, I <laughs> it has issues when you kind of like start boiling it down to certain things, but we'll get into that later. Um, but yeah, so we get in the, the Oslo turnstile, the fight scene, pretty cool fight scene, kind of weird in certain points, but it was definitely well done. And then they, uh, they get out of there and then they realize that they have to, uh, uh, make contact again with, uh, Sador and he, they're going to try to still get to know him. And they're, they're, the plan is they're going to get this plutonium uh, that's supposed to be weapon-grade plutonium, and they're going to use that as, we'll get this plutonium and we'll make a business deal. So they're trying to get in his good graces. So this is the idea right there. So they go they go meet him, and uh, he doesn't really t- take well to the protagonist. In fact, he wants to cut his throat open and stuck his testicles into his throat. It's funny he to watch him try to pull out his testicles. <laughs> And as he chokes and breathes, uh, yeah. So, um, but then uh, he at, he brings up, do you like opera? And all and, of a sudden, he wants to be friends. Yeah, he says, "Meet me at uh, eight. We're going to go sailing." So interesting because 
uh, I don't know if you've looked up this, but uh, the Seder Square, it's uh, it's basically where this a lot of this is getting introduced, that it has the words Seder, Tenant, Opera spelled uh, backwards and forwards. So opera spelled backwards is uh, Arapo, which is the uh, the forger's name. There, there are, there, they're all, um, all the things in the square palette. They can be spelled backwards and forwards. Right. So, and these are all names are being so. When he says opera, then he's like, oh, let's let's talk. So. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, I don't know if that's just code word or whatever, but so he uh, they go sailing, and then his wife, uh, the satyr's wife, cat, tries to uh, kill him uh, while they're sailing and unhooks him. It's just this high speed sailing that they're doing, high speed um, sail racing, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Kind of a strange so, thing to invite someone to when you're trying to like talk about. I know. I, I thought it was it. weapons. Yeah, talking weapons uh, deal. I guess nobody's going to listen while you're out there. I mean, I guess, um, but it's still strange. Uh, so they so they go on the sailing thing, and like I said, his wife Cat tries to kill him, and uh, then the protagonist jumps overboard and saves uh, Andre Sater, <clears throat> and and then uh, then Sater's like, "Oh, now we can be friends." Uh, later on, uh, saved my life. We find out, yeah. So he's gonna, they're gonna work together in this plutonium deal that he's gonna steal this plutonium, uh, that um, the protagonist is gonna steal the plutonium for Sater, and then they'll be like good buddies and all that stuff. So he'll get more information. That's that's his plan. What he doesn't know is the plutonium doesn't really exist. It's not actually plutonium. It's a case that contains an artifact that was in Kiev. This artifact is part of this long chain of um, doomsday device, I guess, that's been scattered across the planet. The algorithm. Hidden. It's it's a device that'll let uh, someone turn the, the entire future. the entire world um, inverted. Yes. So, which would basically destroy everything. It's worse than World War Three, right? Yes. So, but he doesn't realize this, and we have this whole thing where it's a it's a high scene where it's a, the car chase where they they circle around these uh, trucks that are holding the device. They think uh, the protagonist still thinks it's pro, uh, it's uh, plutonium that he's grabbing, and then when he opens it up, he sees the casing, and he's like, I don't even know what this is. And then we get the backward cars coming in at him, going uh, that's going in from uh, inverted time. Uh, and things get really weird from there. Yeah, it's uh, real trippy, the whole thing. The car going uh, backwards so fast and being able to keep up with them. It's insane. Yeah. In some points, too, you're like, wouldn't they be facing the other direction? Wouldn't they be facing front to them? Yeah, because you know? they're not know. driving. I guess I guess they are driving forwards. I don't know. It's weird. Because it's, 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 it's you're driving forwards, that means you're driving away from them. Yeah, but, but it doesn't they're... make sense to me. That's where I was like, why are they doing that? Wouldn't they be in front? But they were driving forwards. It's just they looked like they were driving backwards because they were inverted. Was the car maybe the car was inverted? Remember, the back of the car kept on coming back towards them. Technically, yeah. they'd be out racing them constantly. Yeah, it that that was a little That's bit the trippy. Part where I was that was as trippy looking. Don't get me wrong; it's a cool scene. 
But the other part of me is like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, they should be this. Like some of the inversion didn't make sense. There's there's this one part, and as another part, I, I had like a, it was an inversion that I have issues with, but just kind of the concept. I'm just like uh, at the end, we'll get to it when we get to it. But yeah, yeah, there's some some weird parts too. So uh, cool chasing. Uh, uh, he throws away the uh, device, trying to ditch it. Uh, so he de- so uh, uh, Andre Sater doesn't get it. What Andre Sater uses is his wife, Cat, as sort of a bargaining tool because it seems that the main character, the protagonist, has a soft spot for Cat, and he keeps on going out of his way to save her. So um, it's a uh, you know it's not terrible quality, but when you're talking about something that's like uh, like the world could end because of the Sater, why would you keep on putting Cat? as your as your main thing to to help you know what i'm talking about yeah i thought that was really strange too that he kept trying to save the girl but um people think that uh max her son is neil i i I read that too i i don't i mean i'm not saying that's wrong i just don't know why there's nothing that points to that well his hair color is like that neil um the end of maximilian uh spelled backwards is neil Okay, but um, I'm sure there's a lot of things you could throw with the last couple letters in. <laughs> the last four letters spelled backwards is Neil. The hair, the hair is very similar uh, color and whatnot. And he said he's going to know him for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. He said he's known him for a long time, and you know, he said it's the beginning of a beautiful friendship or whatever, and the end for him. So, um, right. I mean, I think it holds water. It, it just means that freaking. Um, Neil spent probably half his life going backwards because you don't stop aging when you're going backwards. Right. Right. He would have had to like spend a lot of his life going, unless there's a way to fast forward it somehow to isolate. They didn't really go in. They didn't really go into that. It it always seemed like when you go backwards, you're only going backwards as fast as you would be going forwards. Right. Exactly. You don't go, you don't go super fast or anything or just kind of same, same speed, just different direction. Um, but uh, I mean, it's 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 interesting. I mean, I think I think it kind of holds water. I think it's a pretty interesting thing because that's the way he knew he liked Diet Coke or, or Diet Pepsi or whatever it was at the beginning instead of seltzer water because he would have grown up with him if if you know he became you know involved with her, involved with him growing up. Right. During this scene, after the after the chase, he gets uh, the protagonist gets uh, gets captured with Cat. And they, uh, you see him being brought into two separate rooms. There, I th- what do they call them? Viewing rooms or something like that. So there's another turnstile in this in this place, uh, and it's a different turnstile. And this one, he holds. He's talking to him through uh, through the the glass where he has cat. So Sater has his wife, and uh, sh- sh- he shoots her with a inverted round. Through the stomach, and through the stomach, and it's trippy because it, it's hard to understand because he's asking his questions backwards to Tenet, but he's yes. asking them forwards yes. to him. So like you see it play out both ways, and it's like they just they thought it so well through. Uh, they thought it out so well for, for yeah, the most part. So, and that's what happens is you get to see it uh, through through the protagonist's uh, uh, eyes, and then you get to see it through Sater's eyes when he goes uh, goes backwards. Uh, so it's really, cool. which is weird. 
it's weird, and then, but then it makes sense. It clicks. It's, they did it was a really, really fascinating. It was very well done. And then when they realize, uh, then this is where it gets kind of even stranger. Is then all of a sudden we get uh, the Calvary shows up, and there are a bunch of people working for the tenant uh, organization, and there are a bunch of soldiers, uh, kind of like a hundred um, of them. Yeah, quite a few of them, and they're all, <clears throat> you know. Like guys dressed in SWAT gear and stuff like that, and they all have kind of a good knowledge of what's going on with the this inverted time stuff. So they're not, um, they're all up to speed. So they're nobody's not like I don't know what's going on. They're not. And noobs. when they find out, that's right. And when they find out that cat's been shot with inverted rounds, says he probably only has three hours to live because of what it does to you. And uh, he says, well, how can we change that? And he says, we have to take her through the turnstile, and then she might have a chance. And so they're like, well, let's do it. And so the protagonist goes through, and then he also says that he lied when he he told Seder where to find this uh, the device, uh, part of the art, uh, algorithm part that he was looking for. He lied to him where it was, and now he has to go stop him and grab it from where it is. So, uh so the protagonist goes back in time to where they get uh, to where they were fighting before on the street, and uh, this is where we see the protagonist's cars got got overturned and catches fire, and um, instead of <laughs> instead of catching fire, he gets hypothermia because it's everything fire does the opposite. Yes. So if well, he was good. in, because <laughs> if he's in like uh, like the Antarctic, then he'd be like on fire, right? Yeah, I guess so. That'd be fun. They should they should go. They should have a tenant too, where they go to Antarctica. Or you could just go into a volcano and get cold. Mm-hmm. Um, cold fusion device from Star Trek Beyond I, I, into Dark. I love it down here. Mm-hmm. I know, right? <clears throat> um, yeah. So uh, so, but Neil saves him. But unfortunately, they uh, did not get the algorithm part that they were looking for. So. Um, so uh, and the other, then they have to s- decide how they're going to. Uh, strangely, like they're like we can't go through the turnstile again because we don't know if this one's safe. Yeah, because Seder has been using that one. So if if they go back to it, they don't want to run back into him again. So what they decide is they're going to go back to the the, the turnstile in Oslo where they crashed the plane because they're going backwards. And this is, I mean, this is, it's a lot to take in and you have to really pay attention, but they, they're, first of all, they're breathing inversed air. <laughs> Yay, so backwards breathe. air. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I never, that, that didn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, air is air. Well, it makes, it does make sense because the, the, the molecules are going the different direction. So it would be sort of like, uh, I don't know what what inversed air does if you reverse the molecular spin of air. I don't know what that would do to you. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know what do it would turn, turn those molecules into. Well, because, I mean, it, it's, I mean, air is still air. I mean, it's still like a, whatever hydrogen, oxygen, well, whatever. Oxygen, carbon, uh, uh, and uh, nitrogen. Is it all carbon know? dioxide when you're going backwards? <laughs> No, I don't know what it's. I don't know what happens maybe, if you would maybe maybe it, maybe it is carbon dioxide. They have to pump carbon dioxide into you, yeah, so you'll breathe out oxygen. I still don't think it works that way. I just don't know. I don't know how it works. But uh, yeah, so they 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 have to go like sealed uh, compartments and suits when they go out, and obviously when they're walking, they're going backwards. And so they get to Oslo. They get to the to the 
to the plane crash, and this is where uh, they're <laughs> they take Cat on a stretcher through it. But unfortunately for everyone else, they're going backwards, <laughs> which has got to be the most craziest thing that you've ever seen. And um, and this is where we had the fight before in Oslo. So this is where the protagonist and Neil fight uh, the protagonist, different versions of him going through the, the turnstile. Yeah. So it's just crazy. It's just nuts. It's, it's mind bending, but it's fun at the same time. Yeah, they, they did it really uh, well. I, I really enjoyed uh, how that all worked out. And I mean, that that part made sense, except where he's like trying to shoot himself, except the the thing is he's dismantling the gun and trying to empty the bullet so he, so he can't get shot. So right, when, right. Because he, he knows, you know, he figures, he knows his old self is trying to kill him. So he's just trying to like take the bullets out. Yeah, he, he's, right, exactly. He's, he's prepared for the fight because he's done it before. Yeah, he knows. He knows what's coming. Um, and then from there, uh, they basically patch up Cat, so she's all right. She's she's still she's not great, but she's 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 not going to die. Her stomach um, has been wounded for all eternity. And then when they catch up with the um, Priya again, she tells them that uh, Andre Sater is collecting the artifacts to uh, to make these uh, this algorithm that's capable of inverting the entropy of the whole Earth. And the whole idea is that we've destroyed the planet for these people over our, our you know during our time, and then they're just trying to stop what we did. And reset time or something to that nature. I, that part gets a little confusing to me. Like, does it reset or does it just destroy the world? I that, yeah, it was really fuzzy because it, it's just it. It seems like it would destroy the world. So I don't know why it would help them in the future. Yeah, I don't know either. If the world destroyed, that, it seemed like there was people are in different. Some people thought it would completely destroy the world, and other people felt that it would just revert time to a certain other time. But I wasn't really sure about that, so I don't know. It, it, I mean, I think that was probably the most unclear part of of the thing, like what the doomsday device would do. Because mm-hmm. uh, the future people were sure it was going to help them, but it didn't seem like it would have. And they they make the comparisons. Oppenheimer, when he helped with the Manhattan Project, that he felt guilty. So the person who designed the algorithm uh, decided that she she felt guilty of this, and then she divided these things, and they put them in highly uh, nuclear facilities. So basically, um, uh, where they keep nuclear missiles, she hid them there, and when one of them accidentally exploded this is when they were the first one was discovered yeah i i I, my big question is why couldn't you just destroy it why couldn't any i don't know because i I was the that was the most why even build it okay i mean i mean because she's trying to figure out how time dilation works or time uh reversion works so i mean i i think it's interesting that she built it but why not just disassemble it or destroy it or something? I mean, I, I it just doesn't make a lot of sense. That that's that right. to me that's the biggest plot hole of the whole movie. Is like, why can't you just destroy it? Or why can't the uh, the, the the three pieces it gets broken up into be destroyed? Like, throw it into a volcano. Like, why do you have to like hide it and then off yourself? If it's hidden, it can be found. Yeah. 
There's going to be a way to find it somehow. So why not just destroy it? I really it? don't know. It, it does make a lot of sense. They never brought up destroying it. And it's it's vague. It's it's described real quickly, and then it's kind of dropped too, so you don't get a like a lot of answers. Which is really unfortunate, considering the uh, it's the most important part of the movie as far as like the plot goes, and it's involved in the movie the least amount of time because we don't even hear, yeah we don't even hear about it until like the last hour of the film. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, this is where uh, Sater's wife, Kat, says that Sater's dying of pan- pancreatic cancer because of the radiation that he was exposed to when he was younger. And Sater has on his uh, has a dead man switch. That's that's why he's always checking his pulse, too, because there's something on his uh, like a Fitbit that he wears that basically that's that's the dead man switch. So if he dies, it will uh, it will basically trigger this algorithm to destroy the world. Um so, so Kat thinks that Seder might go back in time to commit suicide or kill himself during uh, their vacation in Vietnam. So this is where um, we we were told a story earlier that Kat was on this boat uh, with uh, her husband on, in Vietnam on his giant yacht, and uh, they had this argument about her, their son Max, and that he wouldn't let her see uh, Max or be involved in Max's life anymore and she obviously was pretty upset about it and they went off for a little bit on a boat ride on one of the smaller boats and when they were coming back he saw she saw a woman diving off the boat and she she didn't know who that woman was well we find out later it was her it it was cat but from the future yeah i I called a lot of these like really early on in the film yeah some of it was a little bit a little like you could pick up pretty quickly yeah i was it was i mean like it was still good but at the same time it was kind of like i I just like i'm seeing where the stuff's going like already yeah well uh then we go basically from there that they're going to uh they're going to go back into that time um, can't disguise herself to, uh, to how she was back then, uh, as, as they go back in time. And so they go into, um, the time when, uh, just after she's left on the boat with her son, she's going to go meet Sater on the yacht. And this is where she's going to try to kill him. But during that exact same moment, protagonist and Neil and all the rest of the, the tenant, um, SWAT team are going to attack Sater's hometown and they're going to go into this temporal pincer movement and they're going to try to get the algorithm so they have one red team and an inverted blue team and they're both one's, uh, t- the blue team's going backwards in time the red team's going forwards in time and they're going to attack at the same time and uh, they're going to grab this uh, uh, algorithm before and uh and dismantle it before um, Sater can hit the dead man switch. This and fight so, was visually arresting, but I didn't know who they were fighting. The only time, the only time yeah. I saw any bad guy was like in the in the dungeon. It was just one guy with like yeah, a bomb. Yeah, it, they were just shooting at random stuff, and I'm like, what's what are they shooting at? And they, they blew up a building to unblow it up and then reblow it up in a different way. It didn't make any sense either. I was it. It looked cool. But like great. the whole scene, I was like, "Who are they shooting at?" They didn't show the bad guys shooting back. There was like they're just like running through, shooting and blowing stuff up, and people are like getting sucked back into like 
explosions that are going backwards, and I'm just like, oh, okay. I mean, it's cool, but who are you fighting? I, there was only one yeah. bad guy that I that I could tell that entire scene. I, I only watched it once. Did you see other bad guys on your second watch? There were bad guys fighting and stuff like that, but it it was. It was a, just a lot, a lot to take in. I, I think you could watch that like maybe ten times and still be a little confused. Um, it just—it was shot strange. It just—it just to me, it just looked like they were shooting at nothing. Right. So yeah, they they have the uh, whole assault. Uh, they're trying to get the the uh, the algorithm, and there's this whole thing where they have to go underground to grab this, and there's a bomb that's set there. It's going to go off and. Anyways, uh, it ends up that uh, Neil goes back to a turnstile again to put himself, instead of going backwards, he's going forwards, and that's where he uh, steals a truck and throws a line down into this giant pit so they can get out. But there's more to it. It's it's far more complicated than I can even get into. Oh, it's really um, complicated because also he's he's already there and dead on the ground. Yeah, he's... So he must have gone back at another time and been shot. Well, he, yeah, he, he, he has to go back in reverse time so he can get shot and die for Tenet, or for the protagonist. Yeah. And so uh, they're successful. They do get the, the uh, algorithm. Somehow Cat kills Seder just before, and it doesn't trigger the algorithm before they've pulled it apart. It's not really fully explained, but somehow it didn't trigger it. Well, it is also um, the question of like I don't understand why it was tied to his death because it, it had to be pushed once it was down there. It had to be pushed by someone in the future, mm-hmm. or maybe they would know because they would find the records of the date of his death. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and so that's why they, so, that's why they hid the body because they didn't know when he died. But if they hid the body, then wouldn't that just be the same day? Of, I don't know. It. Uh, yeah, it's confusing. Not, not clear. Cat cat kills Seder and they drag him off the boat. So uh, I, so that's I love how she cut the lines on the side of the boat and they just put all this like su- uh, suntan lotion that was really slippery. Oh, it's just you could just <laughs> push him right off. <laughs> just I know, right? Slides right off. Say, kind of slide my husband off. How many women want to do that to their husbands? Um, he's, 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 he hits a part of the boat on the way down. Ah, oh, just brutal. I know it's pretty. Rough. There's a couple. There's some rough scenes in here. I mean, they're not. Nothing's gory to the extent. No, but no, it's not it's, super it's, gory. It's it's implied. But you know? thinking about what's happening, it's just like, ow. ow. Oh, I know. Yeah, it's like the cheese grater scene. You don't actually cheese see grater. gore, but it, it's just like, uh, or the teeth scene where he's pulling the teeth. I mean, there's gore, but that doesn't really. They don't show it. Um. So yeah, then they're going to divide up the the algorithm, and they're going to all kill themselves after they hide hide these algorithms these pieces and neil is they're all going to divide into three but neil says i can't i got to do something else so he gives just they divide it in two and uh we have a last scene where uh priya is going to try to kill cat while she's getting her son max out of school and this is where the protagonist comes and he shoots priya in her car and we find out that the protagonist is the uh, leader or the person who controls Tenet. He, he, the, uh, he founds Tenet. He founds Tenet. He, he just never knew. It was because time is weird. Because he hadn't um, done it yet. And that's how the movie ends. Um, it's 
it's there's a lot to take in, and there's probably even things that what we've tried to explain here that we've probably missed a couple points, but I think we hit all the main points. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Dave? I mean, like, uh, time travel's hard to to articulate. Period. Um, reverse time's a little easier in some ways, but also they don't really explain a lot. There's some some weird things they do, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I, after Avengers Endgame, I was like, "Fuck time travel!" This was the worst time travel movie ever because they yeah, did it. Endgame's so, pretty bizarre. They yeah, did yeah. the they they did time travel so bad. This movie like won me back over to time travel, like. They did time travel well. Yeah, even Star Trek Discovery hasn't been doing time travel very very well. I mean, the only thing is, like, you're, inverse, you're inverting time, so you can go back in time. But like you said, you're not going super fast. So you just, every minute that you live forward, you're still going backwards if you're inverted. And then you have to go through another turnstile to put yourself back into going the right direction. Yeah, it's, it's trippy. Which is crazy. It's really yeah. trippy. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, they could have done some really cool stuff with that. I mean, like maybe like freeze people once they've been inverted, so they can just keep moving back, move back through time, so the future right. people could come back and sabotage Earth. Because that could be really interesting if they did do a sequel, but I doubt they mm-hmm. will, since no one does no, do sequels. I, <laughs> I mean, he did I mean, three Batman did. films, but he was on a contract yeah. for that. Yeah, right, right, right. Because I mean, at the end uh, of the movie, they made it sound like the story was only half done. The way they wrote those last couple lines because there's still a lot more that has to happen I don't think you'd want to do another story like this I don't think I you think could this... I don't think you could but I mean it'd be it, I mean like they figured this out and that was kind of twisty and turny so maybe they could I mean Christopher Nolan is on the writing credit so pretty no smart, it's, it's definitely pretty smart def- guy yeah smart guy and just I'm sure can't, he has some just great, can't mix audio great... yeah yeah I know um what do you yeah what do you think um I mean the story's great uh, very entertaining. Um, I'm more the things that have me scratching my head is like <sighs> okay. So honestly, two most interesting people time travel for me is Neil. He does a great deal tra- time traveling, going backwards, inverting, and obviously Seder. Yes, Seder Seder goes back, and there's I mean stuff we don't even know he's doing. Obviously, he's probably off screen doing crazy shit, right? Oh, of course. Um, but with that being said, he shows up at Vietnam on the boat with Cat, right? Mm-hmm. And Cat now had left with their son on the boat. Now, Sator takes off the the current version of him takes off on a helicopter just before that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of implied. So what we're seeing is the future Sator who showed up on that boat on Vietnam. Yes. Like, why would he? Why would he not know that cats shouldn't be there? Well, what I don't get, I, I I thought he thought that she was telling the truth at first, and that she came back because she said, "Oh, we gotta you know work things out. We can't leave things the way they were," because mm-hmm. she was trying to trick him. But then there's mm-hmm. the point where he calls to bring Max back. And then he makes a face because she's with Max. So I thought he was going to take a gun and try to kill her. He must have known at but that he, point. But he didn't. He he was acting like he didn't know. I was like, 
Well, he made a face like he knew, and then he... well, he said, and they made a comment like they said that you're on the boat, and he says, he says, so what do you think you don't not talking to the, your own wife or something like that? She made some comment. It was like a little side comment because I think they said Anne or something like that. It must be their nanny or something like that. I, I think they mentioned somebody named Anne, and it it, it doesn't matter. It just it seems weird that he couldn't figure that out at that point. I mean, this is a guy who's like super paranoid, always paying attention to all these weird details, you know? And like, they were trying to bone sort of, I mean, I think there, she was hoping that that was going to happen. Cause he's like, I'm going right. to fuck my wife one last time and you're going to, you know, just die. And then we're going to end the world. Yeah. 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 But yeah. he doesn't like try to like take her shirt off or anything like that and see the scar. Cause I mean, like she didn't even make a move for it. So it was just, it was, that seems a little bit bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, um, it, it, it's uh, the other side of it too that got me kind of like, and we kind of talked about it before is if if they built the algorithm, the people from the future, right? Mm-hmm. People and think the people think the scientist lady um, who explains time went, inversion to uh, the protagonist at the beginning is the woman who figures out how to make the uh, algorithm in the future. I mean, maybe, but she goes, she she builds the algorithm. Then feels guilty, scatters it secretly. Like you said, why not destroy it? And then you have these future people who give Seder all these turnstiles to go back in time. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And gives them caches of, like, you know, gold. Money and yeah. gold and probably all sorts of other crazy stuff to use. So, my thought is no matter what happens, it's already happened. Yeah. So what they're trying to do is futile. Yes. So what are they even trying to do? Like it would have already like the the inverted time stopping or destroying the world through the algorithm would have already happened and then they would never have built the machine or any of that stuff. I, I don't know, it's just it would have, I mean it's, the, it, the thing is it would have already failed, but the thing is it still has to play through once so you can see it fail. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the first time it played through and we're seeing it fail. Because it all had to happen that way for it to happen that way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's I just, just, it that's, just... that's the problem with, with the predestinations. It's, it's really anticlimactic because there's no, there's no real tension when you think about it because it obviously had to have happened the right way for everything to go good. You have to have a diverging uh, timeline for right. the apocalypse to happen and then not to happen. Well, that's yeah. It, it, there has to be multiple timelines or something happening if that's if that's how it, if. But that's never explained like that. It's we, just, yeah, we never. They talk about alternate timeline like once, but we never see enough, an alternate timeline. It never sees it. Right, so right. we're we're only seeing because uh, I mean even the premise of the movie is like you know when we save the world you know it's gonna be like any other day you're not gonna know anything happens. Anything, or you don't know anything out of the ordinary happened, and that's right, that's exactly. the pur- that's the purpose of the tenant organization. But also, it's it's kind of how time travel uh, on a um, predestination paradox works. It has to have happened every single time, right. but we're watching it happen the first time because that's how it led up to it happening the first time, and that's I guess where the excitement comes. But at the, at the same time, 
I mean, it is a fun movie to watch. I'm not saying it's not a fun movie to watch, but the predestination time travel thing kind of takes the fun out of it because you know, yeah. you're seeing it happen. And also, like like I said, I was predicting who, the, like, oh, I bet that's t- I bet that's the protagonist. Oh, I'm sure the lady jumping off is actually her because it's it's got to yeah. tie it's got to all tie up together. It, it yeah. t- time travel is just hard to do well and not be anticlimactic. Um, Avengers dropped the ball real big. This movie was still really good. I think I thought they did a good job with time travel and Back to the Future time travel worked really well because they did show alternate timelines and what happens when the time doesn't uh work out. So right, and right. and Tenet kept trying, I mean not Tenet, I keep keep calling the protagonist Tenet, but I mean he is Tenet because he did create Tenet. So maybe he created Tenet, yeah. So but he, Tenet's the organization, yeah. But he is Tenet since he creates it. But anyway, the protagonist <laughs> It keeps trying to make an alternate timeline, but no one will go along with them. So, I mean, right. like, if they did do a second tenant, they could do alternate timelines. And he keeps on trying to, and everyone keeps not letting him do the alternate timeline. Right, 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 right. Because, I mean, it, I really wish they would have done the alternate timeline so we could see what the destruction would have been or what the cause and effect, because they didn't explain it at all they it was it was like oh it's gonna destroy our time so they can have a future to live in but if it destroys everything in the past nothing in the future can exist unless it's in an alternate timeline yeah yeah you know what i mean because uh the the, the grandfather paradox yeah you know, absolutely I'm, so yeah I mean, and which they explain i think once or twice in the movie so <clears throat> yeah so i mean like without the you, you have to have a, a alternate timeline for the grandfather paradox to work Right, right. Or it creates a paradox and it never, it just loops on itself constantly. It never ends. So, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of like a a downer, I guess, with the whole like plot itself. Not that the movie's not entertaining. The movie's very entertaining. Very, very entertaining. Very well done. Like it's, it's the, the looks amazing. Uh, Lots of, it's basically like a time travel heist movie. Yeah, it's or it's like a time travel James Bond movie. It's very James Bond esque. Very James Bond, very very uh, Euro trash, high style. You know, really cool. I mean, n- there's nothing. You, I I would have a hard time if anybody came in and be like, I don't like it because of blah blah blah. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, there's there's just a lot of things that other movies I could complain about more. You know. So, oh yeah, um, for for sure. I mean, this movie was like I said, I, I'd probably give this movie a solid like eight, eight and a half. I think like like solid film. Yeah, there's some like things that are like, huh, what? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think that really follows. Uh, a couple things that kind of got on my nerves was uh, Tenet's obviously uh, soft spot for Cat. Uh, got a little bit like, all right, man. Like this is like, like we're talking about the end of the world shit, and we're doing. We're still like trying to save this girl. Save the girl, and then save the girl, and then the other thing is cats, just like wh- like two dimensional characters, like my son, my son. Oh, you don't care about me or my son, you know? And it's a little bit like okay, like, you know, like if if they would have made a harder connection to Max being Neil, I could see it. Yes, and if that would and, be different, and if the protagonist knew for sure. But I don't think the protagonist knew until Neil was telling him, "Oh, it's the beginning of a good friendship for you, and you're gonna know each right. other. We're gonna know each other for a long time." So right. I mean, like the breadcrumbs are there that Maximilian is Neil, but it's not right. connected strong enough, and it's not connected early enough for the protagonist to know that keeping her alive 
to raise the sun with him is right, right. important. <clears throat> so that's that's where no, I, I, that's I agree. What, that's I what agree. makes me yeah, scratch I, my head because I mean, if that was a harder through line of the movie, it would have made really sense. Implied. It's really not implied. It's you, just breadcrumbs. It's just breadcrumbs. I thought I thought possibly that it could have been that I, I actually crossed my mind that her son might have been Neil or somebody like that, but it's just not really spelled out. So yeah, and he's so I into thought, her, and like he never even tries to have sex with her either. So I'm like, what's what's going on? Well, I don't think they had a lot of time. I mean, she's either being uh, almost beaten by her husband or uh, shot by her husband. So, I mean, um, it does take up a lot of time. It's hard to fool yeah. around when your husband's beating you. Yes. Yeah, so uh, was the other thing? Uh, uh, Seder is, I mean, like we were saying before, just, a, just like a really disturbing uh villain very well acted very uh fierce and uh, and terrifying all he at me, once he, he made my skin um, crawl I, I was like yeah he, he did yeah, I was he, just, he just told told lunatic i was impressed but the thing is like he's he plays played such i mean i mean i guess hamlet is a lunatic too but i mean i guess hamlet's supposed to be a good guy so yeah so i don't know it's just, um, just but, weird but his timeline stuff gets a little weird, and like, why wouldn't he know about certain other things coming, or why wouldn't he? I mean, if he's as connected and and has like people from the future helping him, wouldn't they know about the tenant organization, stuff like that? You know, it gets a little bit like I would think that maybe they would have known something about that, or he had, had a better understanding. Yeah, I wish we had more of a view into the future, so we kind of know more what what um, he knew. Because yeah. he says I have a very good idea about the future, but he definitely kept getting surprised by things. So, uh, mm-hmm. but I mean, I guess they don't. He doesn't know about Tenet just because they can't. They say that earlier in the movie that they can't have any paper records or electronic records. I don't know how you organize people without any any kind of money transaction or just you just find all the people who are ideal have that same ideology as you. That seems really. I hard. don't know. I don't know, and it seems like a lot of. I mean. Where are they getting? Like the other thing is like wh- when they're going to do the temporal pincer movement uh, against uh, uh, what's his name's um, hometown in uh, in Russia. Uh, they just have like these giant turnstiles all of a sudden. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've got the uh, ship. Like, where where did the, that? Where did that? Where did that tech come from? <laughs> they've got the ship with like the like the ultra fast turnstiles. It just keeps churning people out like as fast like like three or four people at the same time. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it's like kind of like where did that come from? Like what? 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 Also, so. Sater had like the uh, the same cyanide pill that Tenet had at the beginning of the movie. Wouldn't that have just put him in a coma and kept him alive indefinitely or until the cancer killed him? I guess. Maybe didn't know that it was a uh, you know. I don't. I, I really, I really wish it was a different cyanide pill because because it, it was like I was like, is that a real cyanide pill? Because mm-hmm. that was the first thing Kaylee thought was she's like, oh, that that can't be real, can't be real. Because uh, the last time we saw one of those, all all it was was uh, put him put him to sleep, put him to sleep. Yeah, so is it even gonna kill him? him? Hmm. I don't know. Uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of questions, obviously, and I, the problem is with this movie is that it's so you're so devoted to all the details because you're like what did i miss what am i not seeing you start seeing little problems you know what i mean yeah 
Yeah, and but, I mean, honestly, I I started watching it. And it's like my my uh, radar antenna was like up as high as it could go. Like I'm watching every little nuance, every action, every eye movement, and just you know, what does this mean? What does that mean? What does it? You know, like yeah, some of the stuff is nothing, obviously, but you're always paying attention. So then you start thinking about every little thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was the same way because I heard the movie was trippy, so I was like, I was trying to look for anything that would give some kind of meaning toward something else in the film so it's right i mean like yeah there's there's some things that are nothing but there's definitely some things that are something so the cyanide pill might have been nothing but it's just kind of like huh Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is it really a cyanide Mm -hmm. pill? yeah and it's again i don't think this just detracts from anything no, no, we just do it. What we normally do is just kind of like deep dive into the, our thoughts about the movie. This is not; a, these are not detractors at all. These are just our random thoughts about what's going on in the film. I, like I said, yeah. If, if, I, if you've not seen this film, or and if you're just listening to us, um, honestly, it's not like it's nothing that you, all the stuff you're not you're not going to lose anything from this. It's just it's a really well done movie. It really is, no yeah, matter what. I, yeah, I mean, I, I I would watch, I would definitely watch this movie again. I, this was a entertaining uh, yeah. film, <clears throat> for sure. I would actually probably want this on Blu-ray or, or whatever the coming technology is. You know what? You um, want the coming technology? I want a, I want technology that that equalizes the movie sounds, so you don't have to adjust the volume when you're watching movies at home. <laughs> Come on, uh, technology people, Sony, whoever, Panasonic, make the technology happen. <laughs> Just equalize the movie sound. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what else? What else? Uh, thoughts on this movie? Um, anything else that's rattling around your head? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, it, it was it was interesting, and uh, I think it was a well done film. Yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, I, there's nothing I can complain about other than I mean, it's like when I when I say when we're all, everything we're saying is just uh, like because we were paying so much attention, and, and you know, like. You know, I love the Prestige. I love Interstellar, Inception. I haven't seen Dunkirk yet. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, I, I mean, uh, the Batman movies are awesome. Obviously, well done. So, I, I you know, this guy he does really good. But I, I gotta say, you definitely know you're watching a Nolan f- film most of the time. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely got his uh, look and feel to his movies. Mm-hmm. Super surprised Leonardo DiCaprio wasn't in this one. He's been in so many of them. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I don't know. He's, what, he was in... What was he in? He was in... Uh, uh, not Prestige. Um, Inception. Inception. I yeah. guess he, maybe he was just... I, in, he, I, feel like, I feel like he was in more of them. Cillian Murphy, yeah. he was in the Batman movies and in Prestige. He yeah. definitely uses certain people over and over again. He does. Sure. Th- this movie seemed to be the least of those uh, for him reusing mm-hmm. actors. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah well, I... Um, just, yeah, it was a well done film. Really enjoyed it. I highly recommend uh, checking it out. Uh, it was a good. I mean, I, I guess it's probably the best film of twenty twenty because I don't know what else came out in twenty twenty. <laughs> I don't think I, I saw. Know, right? I don't think I saw anything new in twenty twenty. So uh, it was probably. <clears throat> I don't even know. What even came out? Did anything come out in twenty twenty? Oh, let's see. 2020 movie I mean, releases. I, I mean, uh, so much stuff came like directly to Netflix or whatever. But mm. for a movie that was actually released in the movie theaters, I mean, I guess technically, I guess technically, Wonder Woman 1984 was released. In yeah, but that wasn't. I mean, some movie theaters. 
Uh, it was released on Christmas, so I mean, but I heard that movie wasn't very good. I haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. Uh, not a lot of big movies, that's for sure. I mean, a lot of stuff went right to, you know, either to a streaming, streaming service, service or, guy. yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I'm I'm probably going to go out and limb and say this was probably the best movie of 2020. Not that I saw many, but uh, <laughs> there you go. Not that not that many came out. Take it for what it's worth. Yeah, um, yeah I, I I enjoyed it, and I I thought this was uh, there's nothing wrong that's any anything that we've been nitpicking has just been like literally finding just small problems that we we were made us think while we were watching it. But it's very enjoy, enjoyable movie. Well, when we do podcasts, we always try to watch things with like our extra thinking cap on because we we're like, what what was that? What was that? Hey. Explain this to What's me. What's going now. on What's here, going guys? On? Question, um, question everything. Yeah, yeah. So uh, definitely, it's. Uh, I don't know. It's a definitely a fun movie, and we should. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, definitely um, take time to give it a gander. To, you know, tw- twist your twist your brain around a little bit. Yeah, g- do a little mental uh, uh, pretzel. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, anything else, Dave, before we wrap up this episode? Uh, we do have an email from a listener. Uh, it's actually from a couple weeks ago, but we just didn't want to read it with a guest on because uh, it doesn't really apply to him. <laughs> this is from Josh. Uh, he says, Aaron and Dave, after hearing about your announcement about talking a hiatus after the 300th episode, I felt like I had to reach out to you again. It's been a while, and I'm not active on social media, but I do listen to almost every episode. I have to admit, I have not started the Dune series yet. I'll save those episodes till after I've had a chance to read it for myself. Your coverage of The Expanse was fantastic. Looking forward to hearing your take on the later seasons. The new season is freaking amazing so far. I have to agree with you, sir. It has been mm-hmm. really good. I watched episode 9 last night, and only one more left of the season. I don't know how they're going to wrap it up. Uh, back to his email... I very much appreciate the show and your absence, and I felt your absence over the holidays. I have something mm. uh, I wanted to share with you about CBS Trek. That's absolute. Uh, that's absolute uh, a phony, at least it was for me, and explains nearly all of your disconnect. Uh, what you think of us canon? Before I get into that, I want to address the point you made about the divisive neighbor of Trek fans and Trek content on YouTube. You know what? I hate clickbait. You know what gets clicks? Clickbait. So much of the content available on social media, uh, entertainment articles, YouTube news are all there to trigger an emotional response or pander to people who are already having a strong opinion. It's much more difficult to present an honest opinion that includes multiple perspectives or takes on uh, accounts subtleties. Or, take, or takes into account subtleties regarding complex topics, which you need more of that in the world. Star Trek ne- resonates with so many people and deeply influenced my own childhood and early adult experiences. While people may argue that science fiction programs are not crucial to our society as something like politics, it's a way to discuss, as you mentioned, serious topics and ethics like philosophy. Mm-hmm. And totally I agree on that. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I have been just as frustrated about the lackluster presentation of CBS Trek and having the opportunity to experience the frustration along you guys, along with you guys has been cathartic. You managed to pull it off without being overly critical or nasty about aspects of the show that missed the mark or point out those that are fairly well done and highlight the performances of our actors and actresses who have done a really good job. 
I guess I'm just saying don't be tempted by the popularity of a more divisive perspective. Even if we don't speak out as often, there's a lot of us that really do appreciate the center of a road approach. I hope there is anyway. Now for the bombshell. A friend of mine shared a video about CBS Paramount Viacom rights. It blew my mind. It was made of uh, almost two years ago. It didn't pop up on my radar. It's a 50-minute long video I encourage you to watch. Long story short, CBS is legally obligated and intended to avoid the similarities with the original Star Trek franchise and are financially motivated not to use aspects of the franchise, even if they paid for certain rights because they don't include rights to profits or sales of merchandise. Uh, the concept of the Prime Universe and the reason that term used by CBS itself is to draw conceptual relationships from the old franchise to a new, legally separate franchise. From the Abrams movie series uh, onwards, the name Star Trek has not been used on anything resembling the Paramount franchise by the same name because the only thing they could have in common is the name itself. Even pacing and basic premise of the show has to be significantly different. Maybe this is old news, so um, and maybe I missed it somehow, but this explains a lot to me. As for the good news, on August 13, 2009, CBS and Viacom announced their merger, combining the company name Viacom CBS. According to Memory Alpha, the merger officially uh, uh, went to account on uh, the 4th of December, 2019, but they didn't consolidate that brand identity until this past October. That suggests that even though the process is slow, CBS products may have more and more access to older properties. I think even in the form of proof that Lower Decks is this case. Uh, Lower Decks is a good form of proof. They didn't start production until March 2020. So they may have more legal access to Star Trek elements than even uh, the last seasons of Discovery, which started production in early of July 2019. I'm not sure if it means anything, but did you notice the credits the last episode of Discovery was original score for Star Trek the original series? I'm not sure how that would explain suddenly going from this isn't really Star Trek to rolling something back true to the old spirit and keeping any sense of continuity. I'm not sure I want them to try or just uh, start a fresh new series. Maybe it's not too late for Picard. Of course, none of this explains the exclusives of giving plot holes, lazy writing, lackluster concepts, and introducing the modern productions. That's on all of them. Regarding CDA, regardless, if CBS can pull their heads out of their asses and make Star Trek good once again, I'm rooting for you guys no matter what you decide to do. Just making sure to point uh, me in the future in the right direction if you change your podcast name. Oh, good luck on Cyberpunk. I've put in a few hours and I haven't run into any game-breaking bugs, but it could sure use some polishing. Best, Josh. Thank you so much. It's always good to hear from you and anyone who's writing. Um, in regards to that, uh, that CBS Viacom thing and, and having to change stuff, that's from a Midnight's... I, I recall something about that. That's, that's from Midnight's Edge and, and Doomcock. Oh. They, they both... I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't see the link in the video uh, where it go. Oh wait, there it is. Um, it does link to Midnight's Edge. Yeah, Midnight's Edge and Doomcock are basically troll websites. Um, all they do is hate Star Trek, no matter how. Like we mentioned with Stewart, like they put out a video like a week ago, or I guess it's two weeks ago now, asking if season four of Discovery was even going to happen. And Stewart's like, yeah, I talked to Anthony Rapp. He's on set for season four right now. So, I mean, like they just do lots of troll videos saying Star Trek's it's, it's, it's canceled, it's dead or whatever. And 
and it's right. not. It's they, weird. They just put a lot of trolley articles. Like uh, they both were super fixated on the um, uh, like the the tangible rights of selling things and selling things that look Star Trek. Yeah, and, I remember and, and, and that. The, yeah, and the merchandising that. rights and all this stuff like that. And it's just that's like, where that was. That was ring, that was ringing. I, I remember something about that. I didn't remember what it was. It, it, it never made sense to me where. Um, or that was a thing. I mean, sure, there has it. They're like, oh, go look at the store. You don't see any Star Trek stuff. And I'm like, but there was only a lot of Star Trek stuff on sale, like in the next gen era. Like even mm-hmm. after, I mean, there was. I guess there's some DS9 toys, but I mean, I feel like there wasn't a ton. Yeah, I don't. Right, I don't right. I, and I don't know how much that holds water. Um, uh, maybe they just don't want to. Uh, I, I, I have no idea. Why well, no all work. I can say, yeah, all I can say though, Josh, thank you for that email. Uh, definitely appreciate the kind words and that you enjoy listening to us. Um, you know, it is, it is like we're not clickbaity. We just kind of talk about what we, how we feel about it. Sometimes some episodes of Discovery or Picard were very good. Other parts, things fell short, and um, you know, it, it it hurts. You know, it hurts me, and I know it hurts Dave. Because it's a, a it's a franchise we just we we're, it's beloved by us and we just there's there's it's so much in our core and when we see something that's kind of bereft of the ideals that that we are given as as young people it just doesn't seem to carry through and I you know if if, if it's your jam that's cool I mean if that's if you love Discovery if you love Picard then cool I mean it's just that's what it does for you but honestly to me it's seems a little lacking right i mean oh yeah absolutely i mean it's it's definitely lacking and i mean i do think there's weird stuff going on with cbs but i i'm not i i i just think it's lack of vision i don't think i just don't think alex kurtzman's the person for it alex kurtzman was supposed to do the spider-man universe that fell through miserably Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. he was going to be in charge of the monster universe uh the 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 universal monsters they made the mummy and that movie bombed so bad they didn't even make a second movie in the monster universe even though they had three or four planned like he is like kryptonite to everything he touches and for whatever reason they've given him a five-year contract i mean it's not five years anymore but um like after the first season of discovery they signed him on a five-year contract to keep making more Star Trek stuff for CBS. And he, I don't know why they're letting him continue to do that. I don't know why they didn't replace him because he is just cancer to everything he touches. And, 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 and like in Josh's saying is like, you know, yeah, clickbaity stuff, like people who, you know, have the hate track stuff. I mean, they get a lot of clicks because people who are, they come to watch to hate on track, the new track, you know, uh, but on the flip side, the fan uh, the fan service that it that gets is obviously we don't get play with uh, any of the higher ups from CBS when we uh, say something bad about uh, a Discovery episode or or Picard something happened Picard because we don't we don't shine sunshine up their ass but we also aren't you know just shitting on it for no reason yeah so yeah it's 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 difficult it's difficult to um, to be in this position because you want to love it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to be changing the name. Uh, Aaron and I talked a little bit after last week's episode, so you shouldn't have to worry about the name changing. Our format will probably change. Our frequency will change. And when we come back, we'll probably do an episode kind of explaining 
what whatever we're gonna do what we're gonna be doing yeah so like it's basically a 301 is basically gonna be um our explanation of how the show is changing um so be on the lookout for 301 don't know when it'll come because we're still talking about it and thinking about it we're, we're doing some soul searching you know yes. we're uh, we when we're not like we're never going to talk about star trek again it's not that we're just more of we we're going to take uh you know, we're going to start looking at other things and other stuff that we think could be more interesting, not just for us, but for everyone else. God, and just talking about Tenet, I really enjoyed this film, and it's nice talking about yeah, something. It it's nice talking about something I didn't just trudge through. Yeah. I guess. Oh, I know the discovery is there's like trying to find. I would, you know, in certain episodes I did enjoy, I, but I a mean, lot of it was it's, like it's true. But I mean, like. In the last two episodes, we took that two-week break uh, for yeah. the holidays. Felt, felt great not having to talk about it, I, having to watch I, it. I like did not rush to watch those episodes. I was not in a hurry at all because it it just it wasn't oh. exciting. It hasn't been good. And I've been watching Deep Space Nine again. Like mm-hmm. I started rewatching Deep Space Nine over the last week or so. Like I skipped a lot of the episodes in season one because I didn't want to bore my wife to death. Because uh, season one's kind of rough. But we've watched most of season two. We skipped a couple episodes. We skipped Paradise because there's no quirk in that episode, as far as I remember. I love Paradise. That's I like I like Paradise too, but like uh, there's characters she particularly likes. So I was like, ah, I'll skip over this one just to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the writing on Star Trek Discovery is so completely off from all other Star mm-hmm. Trek. In three seasons of Discovery, okay, just for reference, you probably heard in the background, my Alexa responds to a computer. So when I say computer or whatever, like, you know, turn on the lights, turn off the lights, it'll turn on or off the lights. And so on Star Trek, when they say computer, my Alexa lights up and she's like, what? What? What do you want me to do? I don't understand. Uh And it's lit up in half a season of season two and a couple episodes of season one, more than three entire seasons of Discovery and one season of Picard. <laughs> it's lit up in more in a couple episodes than it did for the entire season. Like, just the way Star Trek is written is completely different than the way it used to be. Like, they don't ever talk to the computer anymore. Or, or it's very, very rare. Maybe once every other episode. Like, it's it's right. very different. Everything about how Star Trek Discovery is written, just even to that kind of detail like where they're t- they ask the computer to do this ask the computer to do that like it is so completely different and foreign from what star trek used to be just from that perspective alexa notices the difference weird and i notice alexa's different just like and like that's that's writing that's how the show's written and for yeah, whatever reason yeah. that works better than what they're doing in discovery yeah i i, I don't know there's a lot of stuff there's gains and then there's a lot of losses. So I, I can't really, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard for me, uh, as a star Trek fan. Cause you know, it's a big part of my identity and, uh, um, it's just hard. And I know it is. And it's just hard to see it kind of like stripped away and kind of, uh, you know, mutated into something a little bit, unrecognizable so um it's not it's not awful in some aspects but it's also not what i remember it's not it's not written like Uh, star trek i mean we've pointed this out over and over and over again um the writing's off the writing's bad in places characters aren't written the 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 best but anyone who's gotten alexa 
set your Alexa to, to recognize computer, have it near your TV or computer when you watch Star Trek, watch a season of Discovery, then watch a season of Deep Space Nine. I don't know if that's a bellwether if, if the Star Trek <laughs> season is good or not, Dave. No, um, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm not saying it's a bellwether it's good. I'm just saying the writing is different, and your Alexa yeah. will notice. And you will uh, notice but, because your Alexa's going off more and more. <laughs> I Yeah, I am. Um, it's more to me is like I, I want, I, you know, like we've said before, you watch a certain Star Trek episode. Like we were, me and you were texting about a duet and how that's a fantastic episode. And we don't get duets. No, we don't. Uh, we don't get anything. It, it Discovery or open card. We don't get I, anything Shakespearean. Seen... Yeah, it's just, it's, ah. Uh... Like there's no get, tragedy get, in Star Trek Michael anymore. Michael Burnham saying Shakespeare, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or she'll quote yeah. Shakespeare, but it's not, quoting Shakespeare is not Shakespearean. You got to do something Shakespearean. I mean, we're we're like the guy gets exonerated. He was trying to do something noble, then he gets killed anyway. Like it's just like it's like a punch to the gut. And Colbert's death was the only punch to the gut, and they undid it. So the punch to the gut is. Uh, is mitigated and and forgotten. Yeah, it was, it was I, just I, sad. And I like you know he's a he's a great character, and you know I mean like and it's it's sad that they killed him, but it's sadder that they brought him back because it's just, I just wish like, they would have killed Ash Tyler. Yeah, just kill, kill Ash Tyler. Like, like like take some like like you know I always said I really wanted Discovery to be Game of Thrones in space, and they aren't doing it. There is no stakes. Everyone no, who dies comes. Everyone, every, everything feels safe. Yeah, everything's way too safe. Like I really wanted Star Trek to be a little bit more gritty, a little bit less safe. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like in in the like one of the things in the 2009 Star Trek movie like that really set it apart from other Star Trek is like you know, when they the Kelvin got the hole blown in it, and then like the uh, the guy gets sucked out in space and he's bouncing on the starship and then flips over the the laser uh, the phaser uh, emitter. Like, that was, like, rough to watch. I mean, it's not, like, gory, but it's like, oh, shit. Like, this isn't your daddy's Star Trek, but it's just taking that extra level of realism and, like, making it a little bit more gritty and a little bit more scary to be in space for a second. You know, at the beginning. I mean, your your main characters are safe, but for a second in that movie, space was scarier in that 2009 movie, in that opening. That was great. And I wish that space feeling of space being a little bit scarier could permeate in, in Discovery and Picard. And like, you know, yeah. like anyone could die. Like that could be great. And, and you yeah. know, real tension in the show would be fun. I think. Yeah, I, th- no, I think, I think that would, would keep great. my attention uh, a little yeah. bit more. And, and there's no tension and that's, that's a lot of what's killing me and with the show. And thank you so much, Josh, for the emails. Great. I, I've responded to him specifically. So I've messaged him about cyberpunk and some of the other stuff. But um, since he did spend a lot of the email talking about the, the CBS has to be a little bit different. I did want to address that on the air about how that's midnight's edge stuff. And that's clickbait. And like he was talking about well, clickbait and, and they're just trolls. And and not not I mean I mean obviously uh, when Discovery season one came out there was a lack of merchandise for a long time uh, and that's just something they bungled honestly they just they did not think about reaching out to these uh, people to uh, make merchandise because pe- fandom does want it 
So, I mean, I think we've 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 seen it now, but it's been a while. It took them a while to get that off the ground. Yeah, we need to get more model kits. And Eagle Moss has always been doing stuff too. So Eagle Moss has been putting out all the discovery stuff. I mean, hell, like we had to wait for Eagle Moss to put out Discovery Season One ships before we could even get a good look at the Klingon Bird of Prey, just cloaked in shadow the entire time. Right, right. Couldn't get a good look at it. So, does this thing look like? Yeah. yeah, man. Thanks for that email. Thanks for the kind words. Um, Thank you so much. I, you know, we are we are going to rethink, and we're just do a little 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 uh, one like wandering and pondering of what we're going to be doing. So, uh, but hopefully, we'll come up with something more entertaining and uh, enjoyable. Okay. And uh, and we like I said, we will talk about Star Trek in the future. It just may not be the main thing we're going to talk about all the time. And we'll probably start doing more things like with Stuart, just like maybe do a, a whole season recap. And maybe it'll be less frustrating to talk about that way too. Like maybe just do that or do like, we'll check in mid season. Let us know what you th- let us know, let you guys know what we're thinking and maybe check in at the end. Um, taking a step back from the granular and maybe going for a wider berth or macro. Yeah. Macro, not micro. <laughs> um, yeah, guys. So, uh, uh, yeah, so in the future, uh, yes, there will be Star Trek, but not as much, uh, like uh, episode by episode. Uh, we probably do more stuff like talking about sh- uh, movies like Tenet and maybe uh, other books that we want to talk about, um, maybe video games. There's lots of stuff for to talk about, so we're gonna we'll, we're gonna figure it out. We're passionate about more than Star Trek, and Star Trek's been taking a lot of this wind out of our sails. So we want to get into it just more stuff makes us feel it. sad. Yeah, we, we want to be happy and talk about things that make us. And I'm sure you've been hearing in our voice when we're just kind of like, ah, oh, we should be better. <sighs> you know exactly. All right, guys. Well, uh, thank you for the email. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys got a chance to watch Tenet. I hope you got a chance to enjoy this movie. It was a fantastic ride. So, And if there's any other emails you guys want to send, we can read them on our last episode. You've got, yeah, last episode for a bit. Yeah, You've got a week uh, uh, for our last episode for before our break. So. Absolutely. Yeah, please send us an email, drop us a line. We would, uh, if you give us permission to write, uh, read it on online, we'll do that as well. Uh, in the meantime, you can hit us up. You can send that email to our email addresses at synthaholics at yahoo.com. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Synthaholic Duo. Uh, find us on our Facebook group page, Facebook forward slash groups uh, forward slash Synthaholics. And you can also donate to us at our Patreon, Patreon forward slash Synthaholics. All right, Dave, next episode is the big 300. Absolutely, 300. I wonder what it'll be about. (laughs) I don't know. But anyways, until then, we'll find out. And guys, until then, we hope that you all live long and prosper, one and all. I uh, <laughs> watched the movie twice. <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think I got it pretty f- figured out. I mean, it's not that difficult. 
Yeah, some people a, were like, some people were like, ah, this is like a you know, like I've heard two people like, well, maybe three. One, it's a masterpiece. Others is like, I can't figure this thing out. And then other people are like, meh, it's all right. Yeah, so, it's, it's seems like, like all over the board. You know, I I'm probably in like the like you know, it's a good solid like you know, eight. 8.5 out of 10, not like a yeah. masterpiece. It wasn't a bad movie right. by any stretch of the imagination. It was interesting. Yeah, it was. I thought they did some interesting ideas played around. I think they could have done some things a little better. I mean, uh, I thought, uh, what was it? Uh, his last movie, the one before Tenet. Um, uh, I never saw Dunkirk. Dunkirk. I hated that. <laughs> I really. I was like. Oh. I never saw Dunkirk. I never got a chance to see it. I wish I saw it. Is it, it, is it boring? It was it's, so, it's a war movie, isn't I, it? It was so fucking boring. I was just like. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they huh. made war really boring. Mm, you've uh, made war boring. Good job. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did not enjoy the movie at all. Like, I was just like. I, it's. Probably my least favorite Nolan film. Because Memento, really? Memento was really good. The Batman trilogy was good. Interstellar I really liked. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie was really good. But Dunkirk, man, I do I do not want to watch Dunkirk ever again. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll end up seeing it. Because I, I do like all his movies. I don't think there's any... I'm just looking at his movies. The Following, which is a really good movie. I didn't uh, Memento. see that. Memento's following great. is a good movie. Yeah, uh, Insomnia with um, Al Pacino and Robin Williams, really good movie. I didn't see that. Uh, obviously, the Batman movies, Prestige is awesome. One of the really, I liked, really. If you, I liked The Illusionist better. They came out at the same time. I like the Prestige because it's so weird. Because <laughs> they've got like Tesla and like David clones. Bowie plays Tesla and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. But then Interstellar is still one of my favorite sci-fi movies. Yeah, yeah. I could watch that movie over and over again. I mean, I, uh, such a good movie. <clears throat> but, um, yeah. But, yeah, um, Dunkirk, I mean, like, I mean, if you're in the Nolan, I mean, watch it. But, I mean, like, I did not care for it. It was, to me, it was just kind of boring. That's cool. Um, okay, so, uh, I had my tooth pulled. Um, the one you had a... Did they did they do a root canal on it? Nah, they end up pulling it. <clears throat> so yeah, I had my tooth pulled. When was that? Monday. I had it pulled Monday. You gotta. Do you have to like watch out for dry socket for a week or something? Yeah, I can't stick like pencils in there and shit like that. So. Can't suck on a straw or. Yeah. I've sucked on a few straws. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but uh, I it's it's been okay. It's it's sore once in a while, but it's been all right. So I don't know. Yeah, let's <clears throat> yeah. right, see where it goes. It, it's it seems like it's healing though, so that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, I'm kind of just kind of depressed that I got pulled, but whatever. My mouth is like a twisted jack o' lantern. Now you can you can but, identify with the protagonist. <laughs> Except he didn't Believe have any. Me. Believe me, I did. <laughs> um, it's ironic we're watching this movie as you're having things with your teeth done. No, it sucked. Um, what was I going to say? 
Um, how do we want to handle? Do we want to? I think we should do a non-spoiler. Just kind of just talk about our general feelings about the movie, like without getting into things. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, it'd be, it'd be too much to minutes. plot everything out about the movie. I think. I, I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but I also there's a lot of stuff we got to cover, and um, there's a lot of things to talk about. So. Yeah, it's a, it was a it was a fun movie. 